1 Corinthians chapter 1, ready? Verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Let's pray. Father, help us to love each other well. God, help us in, in this church and in our families to be united. Lord, I pray against uh, divisions. Lord, I pray against people who are at odds with one another, people who are in conflict, people who are in quarrels, people who, who have strife. God, I, I pray against there, there being little pockets of, of people who will form in this church and be against one another. God, we just pray that by your spirit, you would keep us from any of that, God. I want to thank you for the sweet fellowship, God, that I've had here at Lincoln Avenue for 15 years. God, that, that is of you, God, and I, I thank you, Jesus, for that great blessing in my life. And Lord, I pray that as long as this church exists, God, until Jesus comes back, Lord, help us to love each other well. Help us to be united, uh, one with another. God, we pray that your spirit would speak to us and teach us today. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. All right, so when you've got a church that's a mess, okay, all kinds of problems. Remember last week, we just kind of breezed through 1 Corinthians. You've got immorality. You've got a guy living with his, his stepmother. You've got uh, Christians suing each other. You've got uh, people getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. You've got rich people discriminating against poor people. You've got people who deny the resurrection. When you've got all of this mess, why, and, and again, why is a church a mess? Because 100% of church members are what? Sinners, very good, very good. They're sinners, and so that's, sin creates a mess. Anytime there's a mess in your life, it's more than likely either your sin or somebody else's sin that's caused the mess. And so when we look at this church, when we look at all these problems, isn't it interesting that the first one that Paul chooses to address is conflict within the body of Christ, within the family of God? Isn't that interesting that, that that's the one that Paul goes to first? That's the one that he says, look, if we don't get this thing right, we're not gonna get anything else right. Folks, what I want you to see right off the bat is that us being united, us being uh, in, in unity and in harmony of relationship with one another is paramount to us being the people of God, okay? When Jesus was praying in John chapter 17, this is called the high priestly prayer, and, and he's praying to God. And listen to what he says. I'm gonna read several verses. Verse 11, he says, I'm no longer in the world, uh, but the, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the, in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you've given them, uh, given me that they may be one. Do you hear that? That they may be one, even as we are one. Now notice uh, verse 21. Jesus says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 23, and I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. What's the deal here? 
Is Jesus ADD? Does he keep forgetting what, he, what he's just prayed? And so he's praying it again and again and again. You, you know what? Jesus is teaching us that this is really important, okay? I mean, whenever he prays it three or four times in one prayer, what Jesus is saying is this is important. It is important that a church be united, that there be harmony of relationships. In John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, it tells us that if you and I can't love one another, we're going to have a really hard time loving God. God, okay? If we can't love each other whom we can see and live with and we have all this commonality, we're going to have a really hard time actually loving God because you can't be at odds with your brother and be right with God. The Bible tells us that. The Bible even tells us that in marriage. 1 Peter 3, 7 tells us that a husband ought to live in harmony with his wife. He ought to live with his wife in an understanding way and if he does not, then his spiritual life is hindered. His prayers are hindered. It's a big deal to not be in harmony with the people of God. Okay, the quarrels, conflicts, strife, those are things that are going to chip away at our relationship with Jesus Christ. In Psalm 133, verse 1, it says, How good and how pleasant is it when brothers dwell together in unity? Okay, good and pleasant. All right, I was trying to think the other day, how would I define the word pleasant? Okay, and I think I got it, I think I nailed it. Here is my definition of pleasant. Okay. Pleasant is defined by sunshine, 70 degrees, and no wind. That is pleasant, isn't it? I mean, that's what you think of. If you walk out of your house and it is sunshine, 70 degrees, and no wind, that is pleasant, right? I mean, you want to stay there, don't you? I mean, I do, man. I want to stand out in it. I have a hard time being in my office when that one day a year that it's 70 and no wind and and. And, and, and sunshine. I mean, I just want to be out in it. It's so good. Okay, so how I would define unpleasant is like 10 below, overcast skies, and 50 mile an hour wind, okay? That is unpleasant. Whenever I'm in that, I want to be somewhere else, anywhere else but there, okay? So that, that's how I would define pleasant and unpleasant. What the Bible's telling us is it is a pleasant thing when brothers dwell together in unity, Okay, that's a good thing. That, that's a place you want to be. That's a place you want to stay. That's a place you want to savor, okay, when, when, when you're in that place. And, and let me tell you, some of you are going to say, man, pastor, you know, you talk about unity, you talk about harmony relationships. I just don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible to have a, a family uh, or even a marriage or, or, or a group of people in a church that can all just dwell together. I just don't think it's possible. Let me tell you, it is possible. Not without work, okay? Not without work, not without prayer, not without obedience to the scriptures, not without a lot of effort, but it is possible to have a group of people that genuinely dwell together in unity, okay? Let me tell you, let me give you some examples. Pastor Andrew and I, Pastor Andrew and I, I've been here 15 years. He's been here 12 years, okay? So we've been at this church together for 12 years serving side by side, okay? Now, there have been a lot of times where we had tough decisions to make. We had to make, make a call on something, a direction on something. What do we do about this situation? What do we do about this person? And there have been times where he thought one thing and I thought the other. Uh, but, but let me tell you, we have never been divided. To my knowledge, I asked him this this week. I said, I'm gonna say this. Do you say this is true? Maybe it's just my, maybe I'm always ticking you off and you just never say anything. But you know, I said, can, can I stand up there and say, you and I have never been in division. We've never, st- we've never been disunited, okay? He said, yes, pastor, you can say that. I mean, I mean, we've lived that way. We've worked whatever we need to work out. We've come together in prayer and in fellowship and in commitment to being brothers and we have always come to a unity on what needed to be done, okay? There was a building committee here at Lincoln Avenue made up of about eight to 10 people. I don't remember how many, but man, on that committee were strong personalities 
personalities. You had Bonnie Castor, man, I tell you what, talk about a lady, you know, that's got some convictions. That's Bonnie. Uh, you, you had all kinds of people on there, and we would come together, and, and we, at first we were building, and we, we pursued that, and we hired an architect, and then through circumstances, God led us in a different direction, okay, and we ended up buying another church and, and, and remodeling it and starting three services and two campuses and trying to be one church. We'd never done it. We didn't know if it would work. We had no idea how to do it. But listen, through that whole process, let me tell you a beautiful thing. That committee, we would come in and there would be, there'd be 10 different opinions sometimes, you know? I don't even know there were 10 people. Some people had more than one opinion, you know? And, and, but we would, we would pray and we would talk and we would love each other and never, Bonnie, you tell me this, never did the commitment of, of relationship, our commitment to one another, never did that diminish. I don't ever remember someone being mad. I don't ever remember people gathering in the hall and, and whispering about other people. I mean, there was always a united unity among that committee. And, and we worked it out and we made tough decisions and we are where we are, you know, but, but, but there was unity among that group of people. Let me tell you a really amazing one. I've been married to Emma Dirks for over 20 years, okay? Now, if you know Emma and you know me, you know we're really different people. I mean, different personality. I mean, I'm a khakis and button down the front shirt kind of guy, real conservative. I look just this way in high school. This is what I look like in high school, you know? I just had a little more hair. That was it, you know? But I'm pretty much, okay... If you know Emma, right now she's got like a flaming red faux hawk with, you know, white. I mean, I, I mean, she's just, she's really on the edge, you know. I mean, she's got a bright personality, real, just out, you know, uh, very outgoing and, and outspoken. Some, I mean, that, that's Emma, that's me. So we, we're, we're together here for 20 years. Has there ever been disagreements? There was one. It was one. No, there's a lot of them, okay? There, there's a lot of times where, where, you know, she wanted to go this direction. I thought we should go this direction. And, 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 you know, but here's the amazing thing. Through our commitment to Jesus Christ and our commitment to one another, our, our love has never diminished. We, we've, we've never stayed divided for one another. We've always come to a unity on this should be the direction of our family. This should be the direction of our teenage kids. That's a hard thing. If you've ever had teenage kids, man, that's a tough, that's a tough area of life life. We've always been united on that. You know why? Because un unity is possible in Jesus Christ. That's what I'm trying to tell you, okay? I'm afraid that some of you are going to push back and you're going to say, you know what? I just don't think this is possible. You know, there's so many people I just can't be united. We, 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 can't, we can't not have different factions and divisions in the church. And I say, Jesus says it's possible. Jesus commands us to do it. So here's what we ought to do. We ought to say, yes, yes. This, this is, we're not going to settle for anything less at Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church than what we find commanded right here, okay? Amen? Are we all on the same page? We're not settling, okay? We're not gonna live with less than what God has for us. We want pleasant, not unpleasant, okay? So there, there's divisions in this court, all right? Paul hears about it, okay? There's division in the church and Paul hears about it. Verse 11 says, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. Paul does not live in Corinth anymore, okay? So you got Corinth and you got other countries. Paul is several countries removed from Corinth, all right? He's a long ways away from Corinth. And, and, and if you'll just try to imagine this, Paul did not have Facebook, okay? Now, whenever you have Facebook, you know when anybody's mad, okay? I mean, it, it, anybody, whoever, you know, you're gonna know if they've got Facebook, you're gonna know if they're disgruntled about anything, okay? Because Facebook is where you, 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 uh, you vent all your grievances, or I don't think you should, but it is, okay? 
Paul didn't have that. Paul didn't have Twitter. Paul didn't have a cell phone. Paul didn't have texting. Paul didn't have a landline. The postal service in Paul's day was not very dependable. But here's the amazing thing. Paul heard about the conflict. Now, why do I even bring that up? Here's why I bring that up. Because if there is conflict in your family, and if there is conflict in this church, let me, let me tell you a reality. People are going to know that. Now, why is that important? Well, that's important because we're the light of Jesus Christ to our community right? And Jesus himself said in John chapter 13, he told us, he said in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Did you hear that? By this, all people are going to know that you're my disciples. People of Woodward, Oklahoma are going to know that we are Jesus' disciples if we have love for one another. So the implication is if we don't, if there's factions in this church, if there's divisions, if there's little groups gathering up and they're whispering about that group and this group doesn't like that group and this group doesn't care for that group and they don't minister to this group and there's all this going on. Let me, let me tell you the reality. People in this town will know that. You, we just need to understand that right away. That's a dishonoring thing to Jesus. And we need to say right now, that's not gonna happen at Lincoln Avenue. We're, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna do what God has told us to do by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's not gonna be the case at Lincoln Avenue. Some of you might say, well, man, I tell you what we need to fix. We need to fix this lady named Chloe. Who is this lady? She's the one that's talking. Verse 11, it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. Now, let me tell you, I'm not down on Chloe. I think Chloe's a great gal. You know why I think Chloe's a great gal? Because I think she handles this rightly, Okay. You know what You know what she could have done? Instead of going to tell Paul, kind of the pastor, you know what she could have done, the spiritual leaders? She, she could have went and told the butcher, you know, or the, the, the baker or the candlestick maker. That's a song, isn't it? You know, she could have went, went and told the community and talked about her church and, and just, you know, well, let me tell you what's going on. You know, my church at First Baptist Corinth, you know. I mean, it's all, no, she didn't do that. She goes to the spiritual leaders. And you know what else she doesn't do? She doesn't go to Paul and say, Paul, I just want you to know that there's some, there's some conflict. There's a bunch of people fighting at the church. I can't tell you who they are, you know. And, and please, you can't use my name. I'm not going to tell no, none of that. I mean, Paul, Paul just says, hey, Chloe told me. Can you imagine when this letter was read at the church? You know, they would receive the letter. The pastor would read it publicly to the church, okay? So Chloe probably sat right there on the front row, you know, and, and, and here the pastor's reading the letter. He gets to verse 11. It's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there's quarreling among you, my brothers. What do you think everybody in the church did? They looked at Chloe, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, wow, talk about the heat being on. Chloe told on us, you know. Hey, she didn't care. You know why? Because unity is incredibly important. And so Paul tackles this subject. How does he tackle it? Well, verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, my brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? The name of Jesus is his character. It is his nature. It's who he is, okay? As you, as you read in the Bible, whenever you hear the name of Jesus, okay, that's talking about the character, the will, the person of Jesus. Well, what's his name? His name is who he is, okay? Who is he? He's the resurrection and the life. He's the good shepherd. He's the light of the world, okay? He, he's, he's the bright morning star. I mean, the Bible gives all these names 
names of Jesus and the names of Jesus describe who he is. They describe his character, his nature, okay? So Paul is first of all saying, I appeal to you by the nature and the character and the will of Jesus. So, so Paul is saying, look, I want you guys to know what I'm about to tell you is what Jesus would tell you. What I'm about to tell you is what Jesus wants. What I'm about to tell you is his will for your life, okay? And then he says, I appeal to you, brothers, okay? By the name of Jesus Christ. But then he says, brothers. Why does he say brothers? Because he wants us to remember that when you're talking about other believers, you're talking about your family, okay? Do, do, you, do you look at each other that way? You know, do you, do you look around and say, okay, I know that guy's a born-again believer, therefore he is my brother in Christ. We have the same father. The Holy Spirit of God lives in him, and he also lives in me. And we're going to live together for all eternity in the kingdom of God. I mean, that's what it means to be a brother in Christ. We're joined together. You know what it also means? It means that that person is one of God's children. Now, now let me ask you a question. Is it ever a good idea to pick on somebody's kid while they're watching now, if they're not watching, it's okay. No, but it's, it's never a good idea, is it? I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just not. That never goes well, okay? If you want to see a mama come out and be mama bear, then you pick on her kid, okay? And, and, and so that, doesn't it make sense that we ought to be really careful how we speak of a brother in Christ? You know, well, what, what, if that, what if that person's your spouse? Your spouse a Christian? Oh, man, you got to be careful, man. You got to be careful. That's God's daughter, Man, when I think about how I treat Emma and, and how I minister to her and things I say to her, man, I got to be super careful with her. You know why? Be, because she's tough, number one. But number two, because she is God's child. She's God's daughter. And I know how I feel about my daughter, so I assume that God feels uh, a thousand times more about his daughter. So, man, I got to be really careful how I treat my wife. And we got to be really careful how we speak of one another. That's why in the book of James it says, man, brother, it says don't speak evil of a brother. That's why in Titus it says, speak evil of no one, but show perfect courtesy. You know why? Because it's a big deal to treat God's children in a disparagingly way. Disparaging way. All right, so, brothers, I appeal to you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he begins to go in to the issue at hand at Corinth, okay? Why are these folks divided? What's the deal? Well, verse 12 says, what I mean is this, that each one of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. What's happened to the church at Corinth? Well, what's happened is they've joined, they've divided into little groups, okay? So over here, you got Paul's group, okay? Now, Paul's not in it. Well, you need to understand, Paul's not in this thing, okay? But you got people who are like, Paul is our guy, and, and, and we're all about Paul. We got all of his books. We got all of his tapes. We got all of his CDs. We, 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 we follow him on Twitter. And he is our guy. And we're, 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 we're the real spiritual ones in the church. And over here, you got Apollos' group. And they're like, oh, man, we follow Apollos. Man, he's the, he, man, he really is the preacher. Man, when I listen to Paul, you know. But when I listen to Apollos, man, that guy's got truth, you know. And he's eloquent. And we're all about him. And then you got other groups saying, we're all about Cephas. You got other groups that say, no, we're all about Christ. We don't have any other, you know. And so you got all these divisions in the church, okay. Now, I, I sought real hard to try to figure out, how do I explain this to people? You know, what's happening here? I don't think I need to. I think if you've been through junior high, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? I mean, isn't that the, isn't that the way people are? You know, I mean, people naturally, sinfully, will divide themselves. You know, they'll group up. That, it happens when you're a kid, you know? 
All of a sudden, you get in your class, and what happens? There's this little group, and they're the cool kids, you know? And then you got another group. They're the black sneaker kids, you know? And you got another kid group. They're the cowboy kids. You got another group. They're the beat-your-head-in kids, you know? You got another group, you know, they're the, they're the, they're the popular girl kid, you know? And, and you got all these groups, and the, and the groups are like, no, we don't like you, you know? Or you, you can't get in our group, you know? And, and what's all that about? Let me tell you what all that is about. Self-exaltation. That's what all that's about, isn't it? It's about self-exalt. It's about me finding a group so that I can have an identity that says I am somebody. I'm so glad that ends in junior high and adults don't do that, aren't you? <laughs> Let me tell you what it's not about. It's not, it's not about doctrine. You, you know why I can say that? Paul, he wrote the book we're reading, Apollos, Famous Bible teacher in the, in the book of Acts and in the epistles. Everything we hear about him is great. Paul, Paul commends him. Others commend him. Peter, or Cephas. His real name was Cephas. Jesus nicknamed him Peter. Leader of the 12 apostles, you know. Wrote First and Second Peter in the, in the Bible, okay. Christ, I think you know him, right. Do any of those guys disagree in doctrine? No, no. So you know, you know what this, this, this dividing up is about? It's not about doctrine. You see, if it were about doctrine, then we would have to say, okay, sometimes division is okay. Now, when is division okay? Pastor Chris ever comes to church one Sunday, and he says, oh, Pastor, Callie and I had enchiladas the other night, and, and, and I went to bed, and I had this incredible dream, this vivid dream. And in this dream, this angelic being told me that Jesus is not really God, that he's, he's, just, he's just a man. And so, so, Pastor, I've got a new Bible study I want to do at church. It's called Jesus is Not Really God, okay? Now, what's going to happen after that is that we're going to sit down with Pastor Chris. And we're going to say, Pastor Chris, you need to read John chapter 1, okay? Here's what John chapter 1 says about Jesus. And here's what Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and following says about Jesus. And here's what the Gospels say about Jesus. And here's what everything in the Bible says about Jesus. And what you're saying is wrong, okay? Now, hopefully, Pastor Chris will be like, oh, phew, it was just Mexican food. Okay, all right, I'm good. Not that there's anything wrong with Mexican food. It's very good. And I, I love it, personally. I, I, it's, it's awesome. Okay, but, but. Hopefully he says, I repent, okay? Now, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, if he says, nah, I think you're wrong. I think the Bible's wrong. I think my dream is right. You know what's going to have to happen? There's going to have to be a division between us and Pastor Chris. He's not going to be Pastor Chris anymore. He's going to be heretic Chris. <laughs> There's going to be a division, right? I mean, we, we can't walk together anymore, brother. We can't do mission trips anymore. You can't teach a Bible study at our church anymore. We can't do VBS together. That, is that harsh? No, that's the best thing for Chris, okay? Because there, there's a legitimate doctrinal division here that we can't walk together. You need to, you need to agree with us before we can walk together. So there are times where, where, where unity is about significant things, okay? Now, not everything is significant like that, Okay? In other words, there are some times where we can actually disagree on some things and still be in unity. Does that make sense? You can disagree and still be in unity? Let me give you, let me give you an example. Some of you are big, uh, when, when you read the book of Revelation, what you get out of that is, is basically what, what a, view, a view that's called pre-tribulation dispensationalism. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? If you've ever read the Tim LaHaye books, you know, that's what he is, okay? You can believe that at this church. 
I don't believe that. I can't reconcile with Matthew 24 and 25. If I, I wish I could, but I can't. But here's the great deal about that subject. It's not a primary subject. It's not a gospel subject. It's a secondary issue. And we can have disagreements over that and still be going in the same direction. You know, I, I mean, that's okay. We can still do mission together. We can still do VBS together. We can still be in the same small group together. We can still serve together. I mean, we, we can believe different things about that and we can be fine. In fact, I hope you're right. I mean, I really do. I, mean, I hope you're right because that's a better view in my mind. I mean, it, it's, it's better for me. I mean, in that view, we're all raptured out before the tribulation. Hey, that's, I mean, if that actually happens, as we're flying through the air, I'm going to look over and find you, and I'm going to give you these. Good job. You were right. You know, we're going to heaven, and we don't got, amen. Let's go now. We don't want to wait till later. Now is better. I mean, I hope, I, I, I mean, it's a secondary issue. Does that make sense? There are some things that are, that are just areas of maturity. Do you remember in Romans 14 where Paul's talking about that whole issue that they had in that day about uh, meat sacrificed to idols? You see, in that day, there was this issue of, there were idols temples, okay? And so people would go to this idol's temple and they would offer sacrifices. They'd bring their best steak, you know, their best bull and they'd butcher it and they'd put the meat out and they'd put it in front of this idol, this big block of stone or wood. But here's the deal. They didn't need it. You know, the stone didn't need it because it's a stone. <laughs> it's not an idol, you know? And so there was always a question, what do you do with the meat, you know? I mean, after you have your ceremony, the meat's still sitting there. Well, you know what they would do? They would sell it in the marketplace, and so Christians would go, or before they were Christian, they would go worship at this temple, and they knew they would offer these sacrifices. They knew the meat got sold in the market. And so after they became Christians, some of them, it really bothered them to go to the meat market because they would buy this meat, and they would know, man, that was sacrificed to an idol. And it really bothered them. Okay, you know what Paul says about that? Well, he says, it's meat's meat, you know? And that's just a rock over there. So if you want to eat it, eat it, you know? But he says, but if it bothers you, then don't. I mean, if it bothers your conscience, then don't do it. And in fact, when I'm with you and I know it bothers you, I won't do it either. Because I don't, I don't want to hurt your faith in any way. So see, that's one of those issues where we can actually disagree on it and we can still be okay. We can respect each other and love each other and we still have unity. I mean, there's still unity. Okay, does that make sense? And, and so, 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 but here, what we find here is it's not about doctrine. It's not even about secondary issues. It's really more about relationships, okay? It's really more about people exalting themselves, people forming little groups that say, we're the spiritual ones in the church, okay? And, and, and here's what Paul says to that. Paul says, basically, man, that's just all about ego. That's all about jealousy and strife. And I want to give you five principles that I believe will help us in your marriage, in your family, and in our church to maintain unity. Okay, here, they, here we go. Here they are. Number one, principle number one, focus on Christ. That's, that's a complicated one, isn't it? Focus on Christ. Yeah, that's an obvious one. Because here's the deal. When Christ is exalted, then self is not exalted. Okay? You see, you see all, all these divisions are usually about the exaltation of self. It's usually about people trying to say, I'm better than somebody else. Our deal is better. We're better. We've got a hold on this deal. And, and, and so whenever you exalt anything but Christ, you always divide, okay? Let, let's just picture, what would happen if, if all we talked about was what an incredible worship leader Bonnie Castro is? First of all, that's true, isn't it? I mean, she is pretty incredible. I really love to hear Bonnie sing. I love her, the power of her voice. Man, I, I tell you, I, there's nobody I'd rather have sing at a funeral than I'm doing than Bonnie. I just, whenever I'm at a funeral and she's not singing, I, I just I feel a little out of place because I'm just so used to that. I really love uh, Bonnie's heart of worship, okay? But you know what happens if we start saying, man, I tell you what, there, if you're not worshiping with Bonnie Castor, you're not worshiping. Because I tell you what, there's nobody that worships like Bonnie. She always picks the right songs, all the others, man, 
man, they just don't do it for me. And I just, what's going to start happening if we start talking like that over and over, exalting Bonnie, exalting Bonnie, exalting, what's going to happen? You, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have people like uh, Andrew Culp at our, our second service. What's he going to feel like? And then there's going to be a little Andrew group and says, well, Bonnie doesn't play the guitar like Andrew, right? You see, whenever you exalt something other than Jesus, you automatically make division, don't you? Well, if you start bragging up your, your, your Sunday school teacher and you start saying, man, nobody teaches like my Sunday school teacher. And I tell you what, I don't get it, nothing out of Pastor Jason's sermon. That guy's just up there, blah, 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 blah. But I tell you, when I go to Sunday school, man, my Sunday school teacher. And I tell you what, there's nothing in this church going on except my Sunday school class. What happens? You, you begin to you create division, right? Whenever you exalt any, but what if we say, man, I'm all about Jesus. Man, I tell you what, it's Jesus who saved my soul. It's Jesus who, who, who strengthens my faith. It's Jesus who brought forgiveness of my sins. It's Jesus who, can anybody not get on board with that? <laughs> we can all get on board with that, can we? That unites us. You know what we say? Oh, me, me, me too, me too. I feel the same way. You see, we're united around Christ. So that's what Paul says, verse, thir- verse 12, he, er, verse 13. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? No, Jesus was. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No, you're baptized in the name of Jesus. You see what he's saying? We need to revolve around Jesus. Here's an interesting passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21. Listen to what he says here. Let no one boast in men. Okay? Don't make your boast in John Piper or Mark Driscoll or Charles Stanley or Chuck Swindoll or who, don't, don't make your boast in men. Don't make your boast in Jason Dirk. Don't, don't do that. Okay, why? Well, it's interesting what Paul says. Verse 21, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. You see, Paul realizes that the reason people want to divide up into groups is because deep down, they feel poor. Do you ever realize that? That's why this is so bad in junior high. Because there's nobody that feels more impoverished than a junior high kid. There's nobody that feels more, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't fit in, and my voice cracks, and, you know, people are going to think I'm a nerd. You know, and, and so the, the, there's this poverty inside of us, and so they want a group. Why? So, so I, can, I can feel so significant. Paul says, you don't have to do that. You're joined to Jesus. Joined to Jesus. The world is yours. It's all yours. Don't brag in men. Brag in Christ. Brag on the cross. Don't be impressed with men. Be impressed with Jesus. Whenever we're exalting Jesus, we're not exalting self and we're not exalting others. So, principle number one. This church is going to stay united. We got to be all about one person. Jesus. I, I won't always be your pastor. Doesn't matter. You're about Jesus. Michelle won't always be your piano player. Doesn't matter. It's about Jesus. We may not always have this building. Doesn't matter. It's about Jesus. We're not going to be impressed in anything else but the work of Jesus Christ in us. Okay? Number two, principle number two, commit to reconcile quickly. Okay? Here, here's what we've got to do as a church body. We've got to be able to spot 
when there are divisions in our body. We've got to be able to spot when people are at odds with one another, when you're at odds with somebody else, when somebody else is at odds with you, when, when, you're, when your family's in conflict. We've got to be able to spot that. And when we spot it, we must act aggressively and quickly to reconcile, okay? In other words, we don't leave that lay. In Matthew chapter 5, listen to this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Jesus himself said this. He said, if you're offering your gift at the altar... And there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come quickly to offer your gift. Okay? In in verse 25, he says, come to terms quickly with your accuser. So, So what's Jesus saying? He's saying if you come to church and we're worshiping and we're hearing the word of God and we're passing around communion like we will here this month and, and, and you get the cup and you get the bread and you're about to partake and you remember in your mind, I've got something against somebody. I've got a broken relationship. You know what Jesus tells you to do? Get it fixed now. Don't wait. Why would you want to wait? It's unpleasant to live in division, isn't it? Haven't we already talked about that? I mean, what, what kind of guy steps out of his, of his house when it's 10 degrees below zero with a 50-mile-an-hour wind and overcast and says, I want to stay here for a long time? Who says that? You, you know what's funny? People will do that. P- people will be at odds with somebody, and they're living in misery. And you know what they want to do? They're going to stay right there. They're not going to get it fixed. They're not going to reconcile. I'm not going to make attempts. I know sometimes you can't. You you can do it on your part, but if they don't receive, then there won't be reconciliation, but at least your heart's clear. Why would you want to stay? Why would you want to not reconcile? Folks, it's a pleasant thing. Let let me tell you what I was thinking about this morning. Please don't take this as boasting. I'm not. I I know I'm going to have to fight just like you're going to have to fight. But, But I was thinking this morning, 439 people here last week. I don't know how many people were here today in the three services. And I got to thinking this morning, and in all honesty, I could not think of one person that I was not eager to see. Like that I wasn't like, man, I hope I get to see so-and-so. I couldn't think of one. That is good, isn't it? That's pleasant. I want that forever, okay? And here's the deal. That's not going to come automatically. I'm going to have to work for that, okay? Because some of you guys are going to make me mad. And then I'm going to have to go out of my way to reconcile, aren't I? More likely, I'm going to make you mad. That's probably what's going to happen. But I'm still going to have to, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to hear about it. Chloe's going to tell me. And then I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to go out of my way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pursue it. I'm not going to stay. I'm not going to be like, well, they're mad at me, but I don't care. No, I do care. I, I want pleasant. Number three. Deal with your own sin. Here's a great question. What causes conflicts? What causes them in your family? You got kids. Sometimes they go at each other. Husband and wives, sometimes they go at each other. Friends, sometimes. What what causes that? James chapter 4, verse 1. Here we go. We got the answer right in the Bible. Isn't the Bible great? The Bible's great, isn't it? Gives us the answer. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You identify with that? You got, got that old flesh inside of you and somebody 
they did it makes you mad, and you want what they have, and you're ticked off because they're exalted, and you don't think they deserve that, and they said that thing, and it hurts your ego, and right, whatever. But it's inside of you, isn't it? Passion's inside, a war within you. You desire and you don't have. What does that mean? You desire and you don't have. Let me give you the interpretation of that. You didn't get your way. Almost every marital conflict comes down to that, doesn't it? Somebody did not get their way. You desire and you don't have, so you murder. <laughs> Maybe not with a knife or a gun, but remember what Jesus said about murder? If you, if you have hate for your brother in your heart, you've murdered him inside your There's a lot of that in there. You covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You don't have because you do not ask. Okay, if we understand, if we believe our Bible, that all conflict is a result of sin. Okay, and I know what you're going to say. Pastor, 99.9% of the time, it is somebody else's sin. Mm, Probably not. Maybe 50% of the time, it's somebody else's. I mean, there's there's something real to that. Sometimes there's a conflict, and it isn't your sin. It's somebody else's. I, I agree. Okay, but... But here's the deal. If we all deal with our own sin, if we just make the commitment now, everybody's going to deal with their own sin on a regular basis. On a regular basis, you're going to check your own heart and say, look, is this conflict because I'm being prideful? Is it because I'm being selfish? Is it because I don't, I'm not getting my own way? Is it because I refuse to be humble? Is it, is it because I refuse to be giving? Is it because I refuse to be generous? Is it because I refuse to, to, to give grace to somebody? If, if it's that, then I want to deal with that in me. I don't want to live in sin. I'm going to take my sin to the cross of Jesus. I'm going to say, Jesus, I don't want to sin against you. I don't want to sin against my brother. I don't want to sin against my husband. I don't want to sin against my wife. And so I repent, Lord Jesus, and I place that sin on the cross because you died for it and I pray your blood would take it away and I ask you to give me grace to walk in freedom from sin. Okay, if we will do that on a regular basis, man, you will be surprised at how conflicts will get worked out. How division will begin to cease. Deal with your own sin. Number four, work hard to interpret and submit to the word of God. You know what? There's, there's a lot of stuff that when we're, when we're at odds with one another, you, you know, it's just because we're at odds with God's word. You know, it's because we won't say, okay, the Bible says this, and, and I, I, I agree. I believe it. I, I obey. I'll follow you, Jesus. And sometimes it's because we, we not only won't submit to the Bible, we won't submit to other authority in our life. That's a hard thing, isn't it? It's a hard thing sometimes to submit to authority. I, I remember a couple years ago, I, uh, I had a struggle, um, and my accountability partner came to my house, one of my accountability partners, and I was clipping my hedge. I was out in front clipping my hedge. And I knew, I knew something was up when they said, hey, pastor, can I help you clip your hedge? I thought, eh, there's an ulterior motive here. <laughs> sure enough, they said, hey, pastor, I, I think you need to do this. I had this incredible speech about why I shouldn't do that and why I didn't have to do that. But I submitted to his authority. In the sense of, he's my brother. He was speaking from God's word. And deep in my heart, I knew he was right. I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to say that. And I said, okay. You're my brother. I've committed to be in relationship. I've committed to have people speak in my life. And so this is one of those times where the rubber's going to meet the road. And, and I did what, he, I did what he, he said I should do. And he was right, by the way. 
We need to be the kind of people who submit. Okay, God. We, we don't need to be the kind of people who get a Sharpie and say, I don't like that. That's too hard. No. Number five. This, this may be the best one. Put on humility, gentleness, and forbearance toward others. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to give you several scriptures here. Um, Philippians chapter 2, um, verse 2. Let's, let's start in verse 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. What's that? Unity. Okay? Having the same love. What's that? Unity. Being in full accord and of one mind. What's that? Unity. Okay, now how are we going to do that, Paul? Verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. What's rivalry? Rivalry is when you're like, man, they've got something that I want. They're getting, they're getting all, all boosted up and I'm not. Okay? I want what they have. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. What is humility? It's when I say, you know what? Emma's more important than I am. Her desires are more important than my desires. Shelby's more important than I am. Bonnie's more important than I am. That's humility. Okay, and the Bible says that unity comes through people who are humble, who are, who, who are willing to say, man, I want this to be about you. I want, I want to meet your needs, and I'm not going to insist on mine. You see, my friends, unity is not just about believing the same things. Unity is about Christ-centered relationships, okay? Now, I know some of you are going to push back on that, but I'm going to prove that to you, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24 and 25, Paul is talking about the body of Christ and all the different members, and he says, he says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the, the part that lacked it. Now, look at verse 25. This is an important verse that there may be no division in the body. Amen? Well, that's what we don't want. We don't want any division in this body, okay? Notice how we get that. But that the members may have the same care for one another. Did you hear that? That they may have the same care for one another. The same care. How do we reach unity? We reach unity by having the same care for one another. That means the way that I care for Bonnie ought to be the way that I care for Jim. And the way that I care for Jim ought to be the way that I care for Shelby. And the way that I care for Shelby ought to be the way that I care for Lloyd. And the way that I care for Lloyd ought to be the way that I care for Michelle. But here's what happens sometimes. We get crossways with somebody and we, well, there's a division. And what we do is we put them over here aside. And we say, well, I'm divided with that person. I'm upset with that person. We're at odds with that person. But, but I'm not going to speak badly of them. I'm not going to tear them down. I'm just not going to have anything to do with them. Let me ask you, is that spiritual? No. You, you know what you're doing when you do that? You are dividing this body. You're saying, I'm not dividing the body. I just, I just, not gonna, I just don't want to talk to them. I'm going to talk to the 438 people. Oh, pastor, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just not talking to that one. I'm just not going to care for that one. I'm just not going to invite that one to my small group. I'm just not going to have anything to do with that one. You've caused a division, haven't you? Because you set somebody aside and you're saying, you're different than the rest of the body. I'm, I'm, I'm going to minister to them. I'm not ministering to you. Folks, it's about relationship, humility. For, let, me, let me show you one more time. This is so important. I'm going to show you again. Ephesians 4. Here's another one. Paul says, I, I therefore, verse 1, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, why would we need to do that, Paul? What's verse 3 say? Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
Why do we put on those characteristics? Because we're maintaining. Do you notice he says maintain unity? Hey, guess what? If we got unity today, I don't know if we do, but if we have it today, guess what? We're not done. Because in 20 minutes, you're going to pull out. Well, okay. Five minutes. It'd be encouraging. You're going to pull out of this parking lot, and somebody's going to be going this way, and somebody's going to be going this way, and you're going to stop, and you're going to... Okay, you got to maintain the unit. What does that mean? It's constant. What's maintain mean? You got you to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. We got to maintain. How do we do that? Ephesians 4 says humility, patience, forbearance. Okay, others, others' needs more important than my own. Humble myself. Folks, it's how, it's how, we, it's how we maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I was going to go through those different words with you. We don't have time. Let me just say this. Let me close by saying this. I, I want to live, live where it's 70 degrees, sunshine, and no wind, okay? Now, since I can't go to San Diego and God's called me to Woodward, I want to live that way spiritually, okay? I want to live in a place that's comfortable. I, I want my family to be a, a house that's comfortable, that I want to be in, I want to stay in. No, nobody wants to stay where there's conflict. Nobody wants to stay where there's division. Nobody wants to stay where there's, there's a separation and people aren't ministering. Nobody wants to be there. I want, I want our place to be a place of love and care for one another. That takes us all. Then it takes us all giving some effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Let's pray together. My Father, I thank you for uh, this body of believers. God, I love them. God, I, I thank you for just letting me be their pastor and God, letting me be a, a church member here. And God, I just pray that you would, um, you would increase our unity, you would increase our our care for each other. You would increase our, God, our, our, our ability to be forbearing and, and to be other-oriented. God, give us that. And Lord, I pray that, that we would not have any divisions, that we would all agree, be on the same mind, the same page about the gospel and about one another. Father, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.